Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Man With Two Brains. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss details of the plot, thin as it is, and it will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello. All right. How's it going? How are you? Good, good. I was getting double Gordon for a second there, but then it stopped. I was worried. You thought the double Gordon was back? Yeah, I thought he was um, risen from the dead. <laughs> it's like the uh, the Jet Li movie, The One. Do you know the movie, The One? You're not the one, but you're the only one who can make me feel like this. Nope, never seen it. <laughs> you remember that song, right? I do. That's a Foo that Fighters song. song from the terrible film Orange Orange County, and it never appeared on any of their albums. But I thought it was actually a really good song. And there was a video that was always on Kerrang, where Dave Grohl was in a classroom with the see-through guitar, jumping on desks. It was great. Yeah, it was good. That you you kind of miss out on those videos now, like the video to um uh to Back to School by Deftones. I was just thinking of that. Yeah, that is that is <laughs> honestly. Probably top ten all time music videos. So one that would be in my top ten. Yeah, I love that video. It's great. And, and, and I've been you... kind of up and down with Deftones over the years, but like uh, no, and I think I've come round to them more recently. Actually, I've listened to some of their stuff and realised that actually it's really really good. Whereas I was always a bit down on them at the time. But I remember like I would keep that one on if it came on Kerrang. Like yeah, I'm down with this. Yeah, I, I've I've always been a fan of Deftones, and they're one of those bands that for me they get better and better with age. Um, where whenever they release new material, it's like, oh, that's really good. They kind of transcended the initial scene they were in because they were kind of lumped in with other new metal bands at the time. Yeah. Kind of unfairly because their stuff was always a little bit more interesting, a little bit more dangerous. Very unfairly, actually. Um, At my school, I don't know what it was like for you as a teenage guitar player, but as soon as everyone discovered they could tune in to drop D and learn how to play My Own Summer, brackets shove it everyone was playing that all the time and i was just like come on guys there's there's other chords <laughs> there are no chords there is only that um no i there wasn't really that big a love of deftones when i was at school i was kind of the outlier in listening to them um lots of people either listen to angrier stuff or more melodic stuff like mushroom head obviously mushroom head the greatest band of all time be beaten only by stained and puddle of mud <laughs> Oh, puddle of mud. She fucking hates me. Which one? La, 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 la. <laughs> I hate that song Such so much. Such an awful song. So bad. Um, which which of the two words had an additional D? Was it three Ds in puddle or two Ds in mud? Uh, it was two Ds in mud. Two Ds in mud. Okay. M-U-D-D. Because <laughs> that's, that's cool. And like, these days you'd be like, okay, maybe they've done that for SEO reasons, like churches with a V. But like, this was two thousand and one or something. There was there was no search engine optimization at this point. They were just. Well, there of was their for time. like hardcore nerds. Yeah, also, maybe they're actually like massive digital nerds and they really know their stuff. Also, I don't want to be that guy, but if you change the name of your band slightly for SEO reasons, you're a bit of a bell end. 
Yeah, I think that is kind of annoying. I, I really like churches, but that is why they did it. Yeah, they've admitted to bit, that, haven't they? Yeah, which makes me think you should just pronounce it the way it's spelled. Chiviches. Yeah, Chiviches. <laughs> I like churches, though. Their stuff is good. Yeah, They're the same with that, that guy, The Weakened. Oh, yep, The Weakened. Oh, the Weakened. <laughs> you know, what you should do is name your band inadvertently the same as a strip club in Las Vegas and then enjoy the Facebook messages that ensue. Exactly. What you need to do is you need to leech on to the SEO of another thing and then when you get accidental page clicks, embrace it. Yeah, like you know, like if you type Pronhub into Google, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you'll get some surprising results, I'm sure. <laughs> or or Bronhub, which has all images of Bronhub. <laughs> um anyway, The One is a movie. Yeah, sorry. Back back to Jet Li. There's an lots an of... underrated actor in my opinion. Jet Li's great. Um so he this movie there's it's a kung fu movie about interdimensional travel through wormholes where there's lots and lots of different jet leaves yeah um, that's brilliant and and when you and and the whole thing is he wants to kill the rest of the jet leaves um because when he kills them he absorbs their power and then he'll become the one ultimate jet lee that's that's awesome it's, that, <laughs> that's like inception but better it also stars jason statham because of course. of course it does. Um, Him and, and Stath are like they're, they're best buds, aren't they? Yeah, they they they're in whenever they're together, it's all good. Um, and uh, Carla Gugino, who I really like, who I think is massively underrated as an actor, and yeah, so it's actually it is a silly but awesome film. Um, speaking of silly films, <laughs> that's what that's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do love uh, our silly movie, our silly movies. but awesome. Um, that's what we should have called this podcast silly, silly but awesome. awesome yeah um, yeah we watched the man with two brains the man with two brains a film in which steve martin he's not the one who has two brains himself inside his own body he owns two brains that's the yes. thing that always confused me before and that i'd forgotten about until i watched it again and then i was like oh yeah it's not about him getting another brain it's about him putting an another woman's brain into his sexy wife's body so that he can have the perfect woman yes it's a misogynist teenage 80s dream he 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 marries someone who happens to be quite evil i mean that that's how this movie just about gets away yeah. with it is is his wife is evil an obvious evil gold digger yep um and but then he falls or as he refers to her he refers to her as a cheap vulgar slut Yes. At one point, after he is, he's walked in on her with a man like a very a nerdy man with moustache and glasses, who's just like looking at her bum, and she's like, "He was going to pay me fifteen thousand dollars just to look at my behind." <laughs> well, that's the thing about this film is that even though, even when it has like quite risque or rude content like that, it's it's always part of a gag and it's always funny. Yeah, yeah, it's a. It is a it is a movie that's at times vaguely raunchy, um, but it's all done in a in a silly titillating way, um, and so it, yeah. so it works. That's exactly right. It's it's trying to titillate you, but mainly just to make you chuckle at stupid, absurd stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of great absurd comedy in here. Um, there's so many. I'd, I'd I'd pretty much forgotten everything about this film apart from. Um, 
like Steve Martin being in a fake old laboratory with loads of brains yep. in jars. Where there's always a cat. <laughs> yeah, get out, get that cat, cat out of here. Um, but yeah, pretty much the only thing I remembered about this was all the brains in jars. And um, that was pretty much it because it has been about two decades since I saw it. Um, and I'd forgotten how funny a lot of the silly lines of dialogue are. Yeah. England's best one-armed poet. <laughs> Who is the first person ever to be hit by a car? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, uh, everything from from how, how do you pronounce his name? Doctor Hafura. Um It's it's all so so silly, and I really enjoyed the silliness of it. Even though a lot of the humour is quite adult, it's all done in a way that's sort of still funny. I suppose that's the thing. It, it's adult humor, but it's also extremely childish. Yeah, yeah. which shouldn't work, but does. Um, yeah, and I, so I think one of my favorite scenes is near the beginning. Um, he's just hit his wife to be, who has just um, been trying with his car. Uh, and 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 his his wife, by the way. Um, so Steve Martin is is the lead character, um, but then his wife is played amazingly by Kathleen Turner. You feel like really just threw herself yeah, into it. Yeah, I was really enjoying herself in this role. Um, and she is like a femme fatale type who um, has just killed off her former husband, but is annoyed because the former husband left her out of the will. Um, she runs out into the road and gets hit by Steve Martin. Um, and there's this great scene where he, he Steve Martin gets out of the car and runs up to this little girl who's watching. Yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about that and I remember that that is like again the, the source of a thing that me and like my dad say to each other which is if anyone says I thought you have to reply you thought you thought <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so he gets this like four-year-old kid to recite this really long like line of dialogue it's, it's almost Anchorman-esque in its humor I suppose you can sort of see the three yeah. lines from these kind of movies in the 80s things like this and um fellow Steve Martin comedy and one of my favourite movies ever, Three Amigos. Um, you can see the mm. three lines from them through to the sort of Anchorman-style comedies of the sort of early to mid-2000s where they've got that kind of silly comedy mixed in with stuff that they, only the adults will get. Yeah, and that's kind of va- vaguely high concept, but not really. It's like, okay, yeah, Steve Martin is this ca- this crazy brain surgeon. Great, that's all you need. You know, um, Will Ferrell is a TV news anchor who thinks very highly of himself. That's all you need, you know. Yeah, and then you let the these great comedians just run with it, and and sort of let them loose on this script where there's tight dialogue, but a lot of it comes from their sheer expression of that dialogue. It's like this is the thing with films like this, and a lot of eighties films of a similar vein. It's gag after gag after gag, but it never feels overwhelming, and it never feels like they're shoehorned in either. And you know, maybe we just think this because we're nostalgic for it. I don't know. And I I think. Overall, it is does come across as a little bit dated, but I still enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it comes across as it's more dated than some of the other best comedies of the era. Like this, this doesn't hold up as well as, for instance, um, Blues Brothers, which still holds up very, very yeah. well to this day. Um, but I think it's still funny, and I think I'm not sure how much of it is nostalgia because, like I said, I don't, I didn't remember very much of this at all before I watched it. Right. Um, so I don't think there's much here where I was like, oh yeah, that's great because that's what I remember. Um, all I remember is the cheap set, uh, cheap set, and a load of brains, which and it doesn't <laughs> disappoint in that regard. It's a lot of brains. 
yeah, brains in jars, colourful jars. And there's a talking brain in a jar, voiced by Sissy Spacek, yes. uncredited. Yeah, which I loved. Um, <laughs> As the voice of Anne Uwu Melmahe. <laughs> and again, just silly, silly names. Silly names are great. Yeah. It, just th- things like that. Like, that will make a child laugh. Yeah. But it will make an adult laugh as well, unless they're uptight. Yes, exactly. It's it, it, It's got something for everybody, this movie. And yet, like you said, it doesn't really hold up that well. But there's enough in here to still make it worth watching. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a very enjoyable historical piece as well, as you said, because you can trace a through line to, to today's films and yeah through to mid 2000s stuff as well whereas a lot of the other films of a, of the similar of a similar ilk from that era maybe you, you can't quite trace that line or are less interesting historically especially with Steve Martin who I think is, is still working he's still putting out stuff I haven't seen him in a film in a while but he's releasing albums and stuff and he's a very very important stand-up comedian and yeah it's, it's very interesting and important as a piece in his career as well yeah yeah for sure yeah, I'm not sure what's he what, what has he done recently. Apparently, he was in an episode of Saturday Night Live recently. Well, wasn't everybody? <laughs> I know I was. Yep. Um, and then there was a there was some kind of TV special with him and Martin Short last year. Apparently, ah, uh, okay, good because Martin Short is also very very funny. Yeah. After we were going to do this, I went back and listened to some of his stand-up albums, which are on um, on Spotify, as it happens. And that it's just all like one-liners, but very, very good one-liners. And sometimes that kind of comedy still works very well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like I said, a lot of this stuff you can you can take out of the out of the film, and it would still be funny, like, even as just like a clip, like into the mud scum queen yeah and th- and that made me laugh an awful lot and <laughs> i think i'm going to try and add that into my into my phrases into, into yeah. the mud scum well, queen <laughs> you should um you should use that one on your cat <laughs> yeah. the next time i pick her up for cuddler and then she starts wiggling away put her back on the ground into the mud scum queen <laughs> yeah i'm on board with that yeah, or stuff like when um, she answers the telephone and the guy on the other end is like, I need to inform Dr. Hafer of his his grandmother's passing. And she's like, oh, passing what? <laughs> yes. Um, or or where, um, where uh, Dolores uh, is, is, uh, puts the brain in the oven to cook it. Um, and uh, and and Steve Martin realizes, and he pulls the brain out, and he cools it down a bit, and then he he asks the brain to recite to ten. And, yeah, and, and she doesn't say the letter, the the number nine, and so he turns to turns to his wife and goes, "My God, you've cooked her nines." <laughs> um, yeah, and and so there's lots of those really sort of silly moments, and just just moments of dialogue that sort of incongruous comedy. That just works well, and 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 I think it wouldn't necessarily work with another actor either. I think because it's Steve Martin, because he's got that very, he's able to deliver silly dialogue and silly situations in an incredibly dry way, and I think that's exactly what this movie required. Yeah, that's the thing about him. He's he's almost like he's both the the comic and the straight man all in one almost which is like he you know his stand up alone is very very good because his delivery is often quite dry but you always feel like there's kind of a wry smile going on there you can tell that like 
you always feel like he's in on the joke, but he's still delivering it as, as if he's not. And that's why his delivery is so good. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, a, it's a real comprehensive performance. Um, and because he's there and because he's got that stability behind him, um, it allows others to bounce off him in a really good way too. Yeah, that's the thing. All of the other people he encounters are good sort of foils for his comedy, which again, it wouldn't work if they weren't in on the joke as well. Yeah, and so and so I think the main, you know, it, 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 in terms of this podcast, from a romantic standpoint, it's not... <sighs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, it's a romance between a man and a disembodied brain. But that that romance only really gets going in the last what half an hour, maybe yeah. even less. Yeah. Whereas up until that like that point, it's been a bunch of kind of mad scientist capers with a few raunchy things thrown in. Yeah, and and so the pacing of this movie does feel incredibly strange. I think. It, kind, it is it kind really of odd. Meanders from one thing to another, <laughs> and you're kind of along for the ride. But it never it doesn't really have that structure that you'd expect from from a movie. Even the more uh, like free flowing ad libbed comedy movies have a better structure in place than this. It feels almost every moment almost feels rushed and too long at the same time. Yeah, it t- it takes a really long time to get just to the point where he's meeting the woman who it's it's actually the love story of him and this woman who is a disembodied brain. It takes a really long time to get there when actually you think it's going to be the story of his and Kathleen Turner's relationship. Um, when actually it's not, she's just the uh, the sexy body for the brain to, to eventually go into, and you realise that that's where it's going, but only about ten minutes from the end. Yeah, yeah, it's and and so it's yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, I suppose. Um, in that there's there's no real sort of there there is romance here, but it's almost a very anti-romantic movie a lot of the time because it. I mean, so you can't tell that. me that a man on a boat on a like a rowing boat in a lake with a brain in a jar that he's put a hat on and a nice little flowery cape and a pair of lips on and then kissed it. You can't tell me that isn't one of the most romantic scenes in the history of cinema. I mean, obviously, obviously the most romantic scene I've I've watched on this podcast. Um, but what, what I kind of love about it is how awful a character Steve Martin's doctor is in this. Yeah, um, he's he, he finds awful, out that one of his fellow scientists is not quite a murderer but an accomplice to murder and he's just like oh yeah sure i'll i'll participate in your extremely weird crackpot scenes and then yeah towards the end of the scene where he's like going out looking for a body that's like at that point you're like is this about to turn into a body horror film like this is really weird uh he's like literally kind of going after women and like kind of examining them and looking at them just being a general creep and then he finds a prostitute and you're like is he gonna kill her by (laughs) injecting window cleaner into the buttocks which is definitely how you kill someone and gets the brain to die last and then she's like i don't mind but then he doesn't do it yeah and the only reason that he doesn't really do it is because he finds her voice grating (laughs) and it's just like oh god he's kind of a monster um yeah he's a complete monster so so much so that like anybody won't do so they bring along a body that you never see the face of and he's like oh it's not got that special something yeah he goes out he's down the morgue checking out the corpses somebody else to kill to to take that place yeah and in many ways it's actually an extremely morbid movie 
And it's and in many ways it's kind of grim and disgusting as well. And I think if you're a little bit squeamish, if you enjoy like a bit of sci-fi, a bit of romance or whatever, or or you know, good gags and whatever, you might enjoy it. But if you're a bit squeamish, you actually might be put off by some of the weirder, more morbid elements of it. Yeah, because it is a it is a pretty morbid movie. Um it's, it it can get very dark in places kind of out of nowhere. Which I appreciated. I thought that was I, I, I thought that added a little something to it. Um and and I, I think something that I really liked is the supporting cast. It's got loads of people that you recognise from other things. So um, David yeah. Warner. M- Merv Griffin as himself. <laughs> Merv Griffin as himself as a serial killer. <laughs> um, David Warner, um, who a lot of you who is in everything as a guy from Titanic, but actually is, has, a, has a very long and distinguished career. Um, Was he the captain um, he... who goes down with the ship? No, he's not the captain that goes down with the ship. He, that guy is um, the um, that guy's one of the kings from Lord of the Rings, if you remember. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, Kingman. But no, he is the other bad guy in Titanic. So the one who works for um, sleazy Mook, not going to marry Kate Winslet. Um, oh, who goes after Billy, him with a gun. Billy Zane, snooty <laughs> yeah. butler. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's security right. man. Um, but but has had this really good long long career with loads of loads of really good highlights. Um, particularly in the Mouth of Madness is a horror movie I really love that he's in. Um, but yeah, so he's in it, which is great. Um, you've also got Earl Bowen who is in the Terminator movies, um, and one of the Naked Gun films and things like that. Um, and and best of all, um this movie has jeffrey coombs in now do you know jeffrey coombs i don't believe i do he is a he is a cult horror icon um who is in the reanimator movies where he plays a mad scientist Um, oh okay (laughs) that's appropriate and, and this movie came before that um and uh and it was really funny seeing him in this and being like oh that's weird it's Jeffrey Coombs in this, and he's he's kind of yeah this cult horror figure who's been in all sorts of them, but is uh, most known for Reanimator. Who did he play in this? Uh, so he was one of the two younger doctors right at the beginning who are um, shaving something obscene. Into, oh yeah, um, <laughs> in into that area of the body, um, in in a joke that I clearly did not remember from when I was a kid, or if I did, I didn't get at the time. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty pretty blue that comedy there. Yeah, it's it's raunchy. Um, but yeah, so so I think that, that there's a really good cast of people in this. Some of them before they got major. Um, in terms of Steve Martin, um, obviously this came after some of the highlights that he had in the eighties. It's after the jerk. Yes, yeah. So after the jerk, which is the same director, I think, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, Carl Reiner, who also co-wrote it with Steve Martin and a guy called George Gype. Oh, who, yeah. It says here, um, died only th- a few years after the making of that film at the age of 53 as a result of an allergic reaction to a bee sting. Oh, dear God. So that that's really shit. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, so so in terms of Steve Martin's career, this came after The Jerk. It came after Dead Men Don't Wear Played, but it was before some of the other big hits like uh, Little Shop of Horrors, Roxanne, Three Amigos... Um, planes, trains, and automobiles. So again, this is almost oh, quite, a, so quite an early one in terms of him as a Hollywood star as well. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, so is it Carl Reiner wrote a bunch of stuff with Mel Brooks. I did know that. Yes, yeah. So one of the kind of unsung horror, um, horror? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the unsung comedy sort of heroes of that era, but actually was behind quite a lot of good stuff as well. Yeah, for sure. Were you? Was there anything about this movie that disappointed you? Was there anything about it that took you by surprise, having been um, so long since you? As you say, I I was surprised by how morbid it was, by how weird it was, and as you said, how it really jumped from place to place and from element to element. It's like, oh, here's a bit of romance now. Now here's a bit of mad scientistry. Here's the elevator killer. Here's oh no, suddenly Steve Martin's a monster. Oh, but he's in love with the brain. It was the the pacing was very very odd, but. I didn't mind it because it just served to make it more funny. How about you? Yes, yeah. No, because I, um, I, I was just wondering because you had that, I think you have a much more emotional attachment to this movie than I did because there are those elements that you quote and things like that. Um, so yeah, I so I did wonder if you were going to come in going, oh, this is dated, this is, this is stupid, this is there. But I, I love dated stupid things. <laughs> this is true this is true but no i i um yeah i enjoyed this i enjoyed rewatching it and yeah I, it, it makes me want to go back and watch some of the other movies of that era because it's probably been a very long time since i watched three amigos for instance yeah I had yeah that on constant Same. play when i was a kid um for those of you who haven't watched it um it is i about, haven't seen it since i was a kid it is about probably. these three silent movie um actors um, played by Steve Martin, um, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, and they play cowboys in these silent movies. These cowboy heroes, um, but somebody mistakes those movies for real life events, and after being thrown out of their movie studio, they get this message saying, "Come down and be the heroes of our town." Uh, they think they're being invited for a movie, but in fact they're being invited down to try and actually get rid of these bandits um, and various very stupid hijinks ensue. Uh, you you could say that tomfoolery ensues. Yes, tomfoolery is is the perfect word for it. Um, it's a it's a really really silly movie, but I remember that much more vividly than I do this. And I wonder if I wonder how much of that holds up today. Yeah. I don't know. It would be interesting to get other people's perspectives on it. Yes, yeah. I'm just looking at other films that came out in 1983. Return of the Jedi. Oh, good. Very good. Uh, Risky Business, which I've not seen, actually, but I know it's, it's the one where Tom Cruise dances in his pants. Yes, he's got the, the pants dance and he's wearing slippers. Yep. I'm wearing slippers right now. Oh, very nice. They're at the point where, because they've had a couple of hot days and they've been walking around in the, in the house them a lot, they really stink. <laughs> I like how it was hot and you were still determined to wear your slippers. Yeah, of course. I, I, I'm a leisurely man now. This is the thing. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm on paternity leave and the baby hasn't come yet, so I'm just taking advantage of being a lord, a lord of leisure. Uh, well, I, I just went um, barefoot or wearing espadrilles. What are espadrilles? Fill me in. It's a word I have heard. They're little shoes. Um, so you were wearing shoes that were too small for you? No, no, no. I mean, they're, they're like very lightweight um, shoes, basically. Like imagine like slip-on shoes, but a little bit of a lighter material made for right. made for hotter weather. They're good. I, I wear them quite a lot in the summer. They're pretty much all over. So they're, the they're not quite slippers. No, but they're comfy like slippers. They don't have that rigidity that a normal shoe has. 
Right, right. So they're soft and yes. pliant. Yes. So you, you wear them out and about, but also you don't want someone to stand on your feet whilst you're wearing them because they don't offer any protection. Right. But they're, yeah. very, but they're very comfy. And they're much so I'm on the... I'm on IMDb's list for 1983. You got the, the top films, films in order of popularity, which I guess means I don't know how much they grossed, or it's there's some kind of algorithm there. Anyway, where do you think um, the man with two brains ranks on that scale of like most popular films released in '83? Oh God, I don't know. I imagine relatively middling. I think it's the kind of thing that has like a cult following behind it. Yeah, and again, I don't know if this is based on like just how it performed at the time or like whether now is taken into account. I reckon it's probably to do with the... I reckon it's some kind of weird blend of the number of IMDb ratings versus the current popular reception versus how much money it made. I reckon it's some kind of weird blend of that. It definitely looks that way because looking at the list, some of them above it have better ratings but didn't make as much money, etc. Yeah, it looks cool. What, what do you reckon? Just a number. Oh, um, 50. We'll go 50. 50. It's in the top 50. Oh, okay. So it did, did better than that. At number 50 is Strange Brew, which I've not seen. Strange but Brew. It sounds oh, like... That's, sounds, the, that's the Canadian film, isn't it? With say, it sounds they, like the kind of thing I would watch. They, Canada's most famous hosers, Bob and Doug McKenzie, get jobs at the Elsinore Brewery only to learn that something is rotten with the state of it. Yeah. I, I, is that... That was based on um, characters not from SNL, but from the Canadian version of SNL, I think. Yeah. I think SNL, that's where eh? that came from. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I don't know why I know that because I've never seen it. But that's just something. Yeah, that's the um, yeah, that's the Rick Moranis one, isn't it? What, what's yeah, after that? I've heard of what's it. After that is Lone Wolf McQuaid. What the hell is Lone Wolf McQuaid? It sounds like it should star like an action <laughs> duck, some kind of some kind of cartoon duck. That... An action duck. Yeah. You mean like an episode of Ducktales? Yeah, like ba- like Bucky O'Hare. Do you remember Bucky O'Hare? I know that you you fucking love Bucky O'Hare. I do love Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare is one of the greatest things ever made. It is about a green space rabbit that fights space toads and his best friend is a four-armed mutant one-eyed duck called Deadeye Duck. And Deadeye Duck, I stand for Deadeye Duck. He is the best. (laughs) He is the best character created in the history of television. See, I don't think that I had Bucky O'Hare when I was growing up. I don't think I've ever seen Bucky O'Hare. I I remember you banging on about Bucky O'Hare at at university literally all the time. Every time I went around your house, Bucky O'Hare this, Bucky O'Hare that. Bucky O'Hare was the best. See, this is coming up with a lot of video games rather than cartoon Toad Wars. What, for Bucky O'Hare? Yeah, yeah. Apparently it started as a comic book series and then it had an animated TV show. And I remember the video game. The video game was great. Um, But yeah, watch out, Space Toads. A green space rabbit's coming and he's going to fuck you up because he ends up coming <laughs> to your shit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's green. He's got big ears. He's wearing like a military salt jacket 
you know, like a red one with those those shoulder things. Damn right he is. Yeah. The the, the uh, only bad thing about it about that show it has it has everything that you'd want from a TV show. It's got action. It's got adventure. It's got comedy. But it does toads. have. It's got toads. It's got robot space toads as well. Um, but unfortunately, it does have the thing of a human kid being sucked into the Bucky O'Hare universe. Oh, I no. Hate. I hate it when that happens. In Just stuff. to make it more relatable to human kids. Yeah, you Bullshit. Didn't, you didn't need to make it relatable to human kids. Human kids were <laughs> human kids were hooked the moment they saw a giant space rabbit holding a gun. <laughs> yeah. No, the the way it should be is that the humans should be the baddies in the world. You know, when I was watching the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons, I didn't want to be Dr. Robotnik. I wanted to be Tails because he can fly. Duh. You wanted to be one of the one of the um, rebellious freedom fighters with Sonic. Yeah, one of those people who were in the like Sonic Crew two point that nobody remembers, like the <laughs> the ye- the yellow alligator guy and the, the other flying dude, and you, you got, know the guys. Yeah, I mean, you've got the the chaotics people. I know them. That's the ones. I know. The chaotics. I know, I know my Sonic law. Of course you do. <laughs> I have to. It's, it's, and there's there's a chameleon one, isn't there? Yeah, there's and a, a sp- chameleon, a sp- round spiky boy. Yeah, there's um, well, there's the armadillo, and there's a bee, and there's oh, yeah. a crocodile or an alligator. Um, and then at some point they added a bat as well. There was a bat, and there was a big cat. Um, they, they, I don't remember no big cat. They, that was in the 3D Sonic game era. Eventually added Big the Cat was his name because he was big and a cat. <laughs> big the Cat because he's big and a cat. You think simple. I'm making this up? Keep it simple. This is this is all true. This is as true as the new designs of Pokemon. Of which we love. Which we which love. We are very much <laughs> here for. Any, anyway, so what's, what is Lone Wolf McQuaid? Oh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Okay. After helping the local police with some horse thieves, a Texas ranger aims at a drug lord with arms trade as well. This has got to be Chuck Norris, that, that, right? Sentence Texas ranger sense. has got to be Chuck Norris. Yeah. Texas ranger aims at a drug lord with arms traders. Anyway, Texas ranger, drug lord. They're interested in the same woman and they're both into martial arts. Stars. Chuck Norris. Yes. <laughs> Texas, you're good, you're Texas good Ranger this. horse thieves had to be Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. Gross 12.23 million. Yeah. Not bad. Um, ne- next after that, 48, The House on Sorority Row. Oh, a bit of a horror. Horror mystery thriller. I've never seen that. Uh, it's like a slasher movie. Um, I don't know if I've seen it. After a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, a group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in their sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. Yeah, that sounds like a standard 80s slasher, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But then at 47, we have Yentl. Yentl? Yeah. You ever seen Yentl? I have not seen Yentl. I haven't either, but do you not remember how on The Simpsons there was a big joke about Yentl? There's a bit where like he rents a film and it's Yentl and for some reason it's a big joke. It's one of those things where it's a cultural reference in The Simpsons that I didn't get at the time because, you know, we're not from America. But I'm sure everyone in America watched it. The film in which uh, Barbara Streisand, a Jewish girl, disguises herself as a boy to enter religious training. Right, okay. That sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 133 minutes. <laughs> God, 
133 minutes for a movie from 1983. Not too sure about yeah. that one, Paddy. Not too sure about Dra- that one. Drama, musical, romance. Box office gross, 40.22 million. <laughs> That's a lot of money for a for a, a movie starring Barbara Streisand as a boy. Oh, hang on, Mandy Patinkin's in it. That means it's automatically good. Okay, there we go. There we go. Because you killed his father, prepare to die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, 46, Breathless. When Jesse Lujak steals a car in Las Vegas and drives down to LA, his criminal ways only escalate. But but when will it end? Ooh. That sounds like a Nick Cage job, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? But Nick Nick Cage wasn't that big in 83, was he? He was still kind of on the way up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so who's like actually? Who? Yeah, you got you got to guess the star. It's someone. It is someone famous and well known, but not not a like goofy action guy like Nick Cage. Someone you might not expect. Mm, Patrick Swayze. That's about the same time as Roadhouse. This sounds kind mm, of Roadhousey. That's a good guess, but no. Uh, who is it? Who is it? Who's in Breathless? R- Richard Gere. Oh, okay. Old old Ricky. Ricky Gere. Old Ricky. Yeah, see, so you think you just think of him as grey-haired old runaway bride Richard Gere, don't you? <laughs> or or smarmy pretty woman Richard Gere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, forty-five. Something wicked this way comes. Oh, that sounds cool. What's that? In a small American town, a diabolical circus and its demonic proprietor prey on the townsfolk. That sounds awesome. I am going to look that up. Stars Jason Robards, Jonathan Price, Diane Ladd, Royal Dano. Is that someone related to Paul Dano? I don't know. (laughs) Let's see if they have an incredibly round face. (laughs) He doesn't look much like him. He was a very old man at that time. Ah, okay. But Jonathan Price, though, love a bit of Jonathan Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm counting you all the way down, by the way, because. um, the man with two brains is number one, so we're getting we're, we're <laughs> all, no, all the way. No, it's, it's not. Um, we're, we're almost there. 44, brainstorm. Researchers develop a system where they can jump into people's minds, but when people involved bring their personal problems into the equation, it becomes dangerous, perhaps deadly. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, that's, uh, that, that is grade A 80s nonsense, and I love it. That just made me think of another Simpsons thing. Um, not Brainstorm, but um, Bonestorm. Bonestorm. <laughs> Buy me Bonestorm or go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It stars Christopher Walken. Of course it does. <laughs> okay, 43, Staying Alive. Oh, that's the Saturday Night Fever sequel, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's got a red metascore. These have got oh, all the metascores as well. 23. Director Sylvester Stallone stars John Travolta, Cynthia Rhodes. Yeah. I have not seen it. I can't, I can't lie. I have not either. Okay. 42. Class. A young man in private school spends one crazy night out, but soon realises the woman he hooked up with is not who he expected. It's actually a giant salmon wearing a <laughs> trench coat. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's actually yeah the the brain of a different woman in <laughs> <laughs> lots of brains stacked up on top of one another. Yeah, it yeah, it's like ten brains in a trench coat. <laughs> I don't know that movie. 
Yeah. Stars Rob Lowe. Okay, right. Okay, and in at forty-one, the man with two brains. Oh, uh, okay. So it, it was, it was, it did pretty well then. It, it I out, think that's not it bad. Ranked Brainstorm. Yep. The, the bitter rivals of nineteen eighty-three, Brainstorm and the Man with Two Brains. And the including brain oh, yeah. in the title. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I'll just scroll up and check. There aren't any more films with brain in the title. Let's see what else is in here. Psycho Two, Rumblefish. Deathstalker, Mr. Mum. Deathstalker. Bad, that's um, Bad Boys. That's a that's a fantasy movie, isn't it? Deathstalker. Yeah. Isn't it one of those sort of Conan knockoffs? Yeah, it's got a guy like in a thong holding a hammer yeah. on the cover. <laughs> that's exactly my kind <laughs> of movie. I love those. <laughs> that's what you like. That's what I want. Yeah. Um Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D. That chill. is a bad bad film. Have you ever watched Jaws 3D? I have not. Is it is it not just Jaws in 3D or is it? It different? is different. It's the third Jaws movie. It stars Dennis Quaid, um, and it's all at a big sort of like aquarium. Um, however, things go awry because Jaws is there, and I remember th- in the aquarium. Yeah. How did he get in I don't there? No, he's he snuck in. He, <laughs> he was wearing a trench coat. No one recognised him. Um, but he, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Five sharks There's in this bit where game. they're walking through. You know those underwater tunnels that are really cool, where you walk through the water yep. and there's stuff all around. I, I remember there's this scene Love those. Where, big, big fan of those tunnels. I remember tunnels. there's this scene where like it's Jaws and it's coming up on one of the tunnels and I think it smashes a tunnel and eats someone or something. Um, of because course, of, course, of course, it's Jaws. He's got to eat people. But then all the water would drain out, surely. Or drain in. I think it's like underneath the water, this tunnel. So it's, ah, uh, yeah, it's okay. Cool. See, I'm I'm now thinking that I want to watch this film just because of the logistics of like shark attacks inside an aquarium with all of these tunnels and stuff. Yeah, it, I I don't remember it being very good at all, but that scene stuck with me. So it's got something. Also, it's a PG. It's a PG. How do you make a a PG? Like how how deadly are these shark attacks? It's got little marshmallow teeth. Yeah. Okay, carrying on. Uh, the Big Chill Videodrome. Oh, I know you're a fan. Drone. You're a fan of that. that. I have not seen it's it. So good. I need to it's see so it. So good. Uh, oh, mate! This is a great. Camp. This is a great uh, year for bad knockoffs of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was the, Krull is the 18th best film of 1983, <laughs> according to IMDb. I would not rate it that highly. I don't know what else was released that year, but Krull ain't it. Um, sl- the poster for it looks like kind of Darth Maul, a Darth Maul mask from a pound shop display that's like been in the pound shop so long that it's like yellowed. Krull is the one where he's got the big spinny, it's like a spinny blade and he throws it like a boomerang and then it cuts people up. But it's not done. Of, it, it's it's ah, oh, crawl, mate, crawl. What a movie! Of Almost course. as good as and Death going up. <laughs> well, it it is really interesting though how many of these films are um like horror or mystery type mm. sci fi films because I feel like there are actually comparatively few of these kind of films being made these days. It's actually refreshing to look at a list and see it not dominated by superhero nonsense. Not that I hate all superhero yes, films, you but you know what I mean. It's I like to, today, today's box office is very different. Yeah, yeah, fucking hate them. <laughs> Get out. 
No capes. No capes. <laughs> hey, um, well, Superman 3 is in here at number 13. But it's like, yeah, the, the number of like sort of silly horror and sci-fi films, like this kind of stuff would just go straight onto Netflix now and maybe get a cult following. But back then it was like really big box office draw. And it's I kind of like that. Yeah. It's nice to see that. Or at that, least actually. even if it's not a big box office draw, at least it's resonated enough to be included in this list. Like uh, it's interesting to see Sleepaway Camp there, which has kind of become this cult classic over time. Um, again, an, another camp slasher movie. Um, but yeah, so yeah. It's, it's interesting actually. You mean camp as in camp? Camp as in both. It is a yeah. silly, campy movie, but also set at a summer camp. Like the Rocky Horror Picture Camp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, you got Superman 3, The Twilight Zone, the movie, oh, yeah. in number 12. Um, Trading Places, number 11. Oh, that's great. Flashdance, War Games, Cujo, that's a Stephen King, that is isn't it? That is killer dog. A friendly St. Bernard. Contracts rabies and conducts a reign of terror on a small it American the, town. The sequel to it's like an alternative Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, risky business six. Uh, Christine number Another five. Stephen King. Yeah, Stephen King. Uh, a nerdish boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own, and his nature starts to change to reflect it. I mean, that's a perfect summary of just brilliant writing, isn't it? Yeah, Christine is the killer car, isn't it? The 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 angry, angry killer car. Yep. Uh, and you got National Lampoon's Vacation, Scarface, The Outsiders, and in at number one, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Excellent. Ewoks number so one. So you've still got the franchises dominating the top of the box office. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder... Let's have a look at what's face say about 2018. I was just thinking that, yeah. Tell me, okay, now you look at that. You tell me what was the 41st best film of 2018. Hold on. I need to to find a movie. What movies were released in 2018? I'm trying to think. Uh, The Shape of Water was one of them. If you go to IMDb, has lists of all of them. Come on, you stupid bastard thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, actually, your computer goes mad if you do anything. It it it? does at the moment, but let's see. And the shape of water is apparently 2017. Oh, okay. See, I, I don't even know what year it is. This is what happens when you're about to become a parent. You just like lose track of all sense of time and place. <laughs> what 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 um superhero movies came out came out last year? There must be Black Panther. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Let's let's go. Let's go. 2018. What have you got for us? Number 41. So 2018's equivalent. Is oh that's disappointing. Welcome to Marwin, the movie everybody hated about the man who builds the tiny town. Oh, about the thing where um, Rob Sherman wrote a song about it back yes. in the day. And Remember that? And then they made a movie about it. Apart from it was full of terrifying CGI toy versions of Steve Carell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, let's have, yeah, let's have which a little is look tricky. At, let's have a little equivalent look and see if our predictions are correct about. So, so the number one, I don't know how it works out, this popularity thing, because it's currently got High Life as number one, which I don't even think has come out yet properly. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, so High Life... Wait, of 2018? Yeah, so it was, a, it's, it was made in 2018. I don't think it's had its full cinematic release yet, High Life. Um, I think it comes out 
at least it it comes out in this country in later on in May, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if it's maybe come out in the states already, but it's it's apparently really good. It's about astronauts. Um, looks very right. Artistic. Okay, sounds cool. Okay, then we've got Aquaman, Avengers, Crazy Rich Asians, Spider Man. Uh, we've got oh. Clint Eastwood being old and grizzled. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah. Bumblebee. Arctic. That's when not on. Is that on Netflix? Or is that a different Mads Mikkelsen? I don't know. Again, I don't know if these lists... Uh, see, I'm looking at one that's on IMDb. Top 100 movies of 2018. Here are the top 100 movies released in 2018 that were most consistently popular with IMDb users according to IMDb Pro Movie Meter. So that's some kind of algorithm. But this is different to what you're telling me. This has got The Meg at number five. Oh, mate. That's got to be a mistake. <laughs> The Meg um, looks ap- look like absolute so, nonsense. Uh, how dare you? The Meg the Meg is surely better than Jaws three though. If you're looking at giant shark, uh, Jaws three D, please. I refuse sir. to give it the D. It does not deserve the D. <laughs> it's not getting the D. I'm not giving that shark the D. <laughs> the shark has not got the D. <laughs> Um, so, so looking at the the popularity index of IMDb last year, it's a lot of rehashes it's a lot of remakes or reboots like mary poppins returns um and then comic book movies there is an awful lot of it that in there but it also has things like vice it's got um a quiet die hard in a, a building place okay skyscraper <laughs> um, it's got a quiet place it's got uh, the meg is here at number 25 um okay. And and yeah, so it's got got the odd interesting thing in here. I'm not sure how much of this is truly accurate because I swear a lot of the stuff in here hasn't been properly released yet. Is I I think it's going off its um like festival release dates. Hang on, is this a thing where we're actually both looking at the same list, but because it knows our like search histories and like stuff that it's giving it's just giving us different lists in terms of either what we think will be most interesting or what will outrage us both the most <laughs> it knows to put the meg high on your list because you refuse to believe that shark movies are enjoyable yeah i ha- i fucking hate sharks <laughs> honestly so sh- sharks I hate sharks. I hate shark movies. I hate Sharky and George. You what, mate? You, you know, get out. <laughs> get out now. I will not hear a bad word about Mr. Sharky and Mr. George. Yeah. Crime busters of the sea. Bullshit. They will, There's no crime under the sea. They will solve any mystery. What are you talking about? The Little Mermaid. <laughs> there is a clear breach of contract law when they try to negate out of their deal with Ursula. But all the crime happens happens above the surface. How so? Because that's where she gets turned into a human, and that's the real crime. (laughs) And there's also a really annoying talking crab, and he's quite criminal as well. (laughs) But he's under the sea. This is true. (laughs) There'll be no accusations, just friendly crustaceans under the sea. Friendly, not friendly. Miserable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> miserable, <laughs> miserable crustaceans. crustaceans under the sea. That's the name of my shoegaze band. Just to let you know, I, I changed it to the highest rating in the US box office to get a picture of what they made the most money. 
Um, That's a more reasonable rating, I think. Our our boy and and our girls, uh, Fifty Shades makes it into the top fifty. Oh, Fifty Shades God. Freed graced one hundred million. I don't know how much it cost to make, but it made a hundred million in box office. That alone, what it made in they terms probably of- had to pay about ninety million for all the ridiculous bling <laughs> in that film, like stupid cars and holidays and stuff. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, the Kardashian-esque nonsense. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. So, have you got anything else you want to say about about the man with two brains? No, I think that was that was an interesting tangent, though. Comparing 1983 to now, it was a very very different time than a time when films were not afraid to just be filled top to bottom with gags, you know, thrown around a loosely quite morbid plot, and it's fun. That's the thing about it. It's good fun. It's not an overly romantic film, but there are two sort of separate romantic plots within it that work and that are funny and that just provide sources of comedy. And I think we said this actually about It's Complicated, weirdly, didn't we? That there's bits when in that film, was it the I said that the comedy serves the romance? Well, in this film, it's completely the other way around, but it still works. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it, it still works just as well, doesn't it? Just in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, it it's good. It's it's a little bit dated, very very morbid, very very stupid. Um she does say some some racial epithets at him for no reason at one point which is very uncomfortable. So it's you know, it's it's very very much of its time, but yeah, it's it's good. It's good fun. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable, isn't it? Even though there are those dated moments, aren't there? Um, yeah. So yeah. But I'm sure you find that with every with any film from the era. Precisely. Precisely. Cujo the dog, massive racist. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Awful animal. Yep. <laughs> do you do you have any trivia? Um, my my only trivia really was that um, Sissy Spacek was the voice of the brain, uncredited, um, and and also uncredited. apparently the little girl that was not. Um, scripted. They didn't hold up cards for her or anything like that when we recited it back to him. Um, oh, and really? It was done in like one take as well. Which is wow. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. She looked like the kind of little girl where it's like, oh, that's that little girl who grew up to be a famous someone or other. But I don't think I, guess I don't think she was, did. Didn't no. actually. But just put in, just oh. nailed it in this performance though, which is great. You thought. You thought. <laughs> Uh, I want to go and watch a load of 80s fantasy movies now. Yeah, you, you really got me in the mood to watch um, Deathstalker. <laughs> you got to watch Krull, the greatest film of all time. Krull just sounds like something you'd feed your pet fish. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's spiky. Fish might not like it. Oh no. Oh no, I've killed my pet fish. Why did I have to feed it Krull? I should have fed it Lone Wolf McQuaid instead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh. Right, so Mon- th- th- that's all from me then. So have you got anything else you'd like to share or should That's we... all, folks. <laughs> no, I think I think we I think <laughs> I think we're good on that. Um how how are we going to rate this? Uh how many brains brains in jars or is that too lazy? No, I think I think that's good. Uh, how many brains in a trench coat? Yeah, how many brains in a trench coat? Would you, would you... sneak sneaking into <laughs> an aquarium? An aquarium. Um, let's see. I got fourteen brains 14. under my trench coat. Very good. I've I've got yeah. thirteen myself. 
Nice. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. And there was enough funniness no. to keep me entertained. Ultimately, it's not a film that you love, is it? It's a, it's a silly diversion. Yes, yeah, exactly. All right. Average of 13.5. That's good. Same as same as Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's kind of depressing. Which also features <laughs> very, very odd racism. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not sure how how movie purists would feel about our rating of the man with two brains being the same as Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, when we eventually have our list on IMDb, it's going to be extremely puzzling. <laughs> Oh dear. So so what have we got next then, Paddy? What have you chosen for us? Can I just say that's also the same score we gave to Jupiter Ascending. Oh mate. Jupiter Ascending. What a film. But the other way around, so you gave it fourteen, I gave it thirteen. You see, if you'd only loved it. Actually on re- on reflection, maybe I I underscored I that film because it is really, really good in a in a ridiculous I think way. That that deserves a revisit at some point to see if it can if on a repeat watch it actually increases its value. Yeah, you know what? Well, what we should do when we eventually run out of films is go back to the beginning and watch them all again, and see if we um if we get like the same ratings or whatever. Big boys don't cry twice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then we would have to rewatch all of the Fifty Shades oh, films. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. Okay. I'm done with that plan. I never want to see them yeah. again. We don't want to pun- punish ourselves <laughs> in that way. So yeah, Paddy, what's next? What what's next? What have you chosen for us? Uh, next up, well, it's back to the the sort of standard classic fare that that we do. Um, I thought we should watch When Harry Met Sally oh. because we haven't got we haven't gotten there yet, and it looks great. Excellent, excellent. And I have seen it, but not for a long time. And I think it would be good. Yeah, same here. I've not seen that film in years. Looking forward to that. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. So so there we are. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, no, that's it from me. Just how many brains would you fit in a trench coat? If you fell in love yep. with a brain, what would you do about it? Would you try and kill someone to put that brain into a human body? Which is the logical thing to do, Or obviously. would you put it into a gorilla body? I'm not going to judge you. You know, maybe that's what you want. Yeah, <laughs> even though St- Steve Martin says in the film, <laughs> I couldn't fuck a gorilla. <laughs> uh, he, he was clearly thinking about it for a moment, thinking, oh, is this possible? No, it's not. But maybe that's your thing. Maybe you want a gorilla companion. Yeah. You know, it takes all sorts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case... We'll leave it there and we'll be back next week to talk about When Harry Met Sally. Hope you all enjoyed The Man With Two Brains and our comparison of 1983 and now. Um, But, you know, if you didn't, Stranger Things will do it better than we can. So it's all on Netflix (laughs) and Series 3 comes out in in July. You love the 80s, don't you? Here's everything in the 80s in one compressed package. Awesome. All All right. right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.